Welcome to the Whistle Mission Podcast. I'm Pat. Jim's not going to say his name, but that's Jim. I'm Jim. That's Jim. Thanks for being here with us today. We have a few good topics and I think one good debate topic that everybody's got. What do you mean a few? I thought we were just talking about the one thing. No, we're talking about the one thing. We got, you know, shut up. We got news to cover. Oh, yeah, um, we do got news to cover. No, our discussion topic is one that I feel like is pretty hotly debated. Uh was just golfing with somebody yesterday, and we were talking about this. And I'm like, you know what? This would be the perfect debate topic for the podcast. I do like it. I'm glad you thought of it. Yeah. You know, I'm usually the one thinking of everything, but this one you actually came through yeah, for. Sure, sure. Yeah. So, uh, you want to tell me about your week? Anything interesting? Um, well, I guess my week coming up, I'm going camping today. That's about as good as it gets. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I shot the bow, uh, working on using some heavier arrows and stuff like that. How heavy? Uh, only, I, th- I think it's going to come in just over 500 grains. Oh, wow. So mine, I think mine weigh in 425, 450 maybe. Nice. Yeah. Nice. That's, I mean, you know, they're going to be fast at least. They're going to be fast. Yeah. It's just, uh, the only reason why is because those are the ones I bought. Yeah. You know, and no, it, it, I, not for any rhyme or reason. We just got into it. I got used to them, so I'm keeping them. We also like shooting long range at the at the club where you belong to. Yeah, I like practicing at 100 yards. Yeah, 80 plus. You know. Yeah, because you know if you're not doing something right at 80 yards, you're definitely not going to be doing it right at 100. Or if you're not doing something right at 20 yards, you're definitely not going to be doing it right at 100. Yeah, 100 really brings it out. You know, when you're shooting a little bit of left at 20 yards, you're going to be shooting a lot of bit of left at 100. And the one time I was shooting 100 and I put my sight all the way down and my top fletching was just catching the bottom of my sight and I was all over the place. At 80, I'd be perfect. But at 100, I was all over the place. And I'm thinking, what the heck is going on? That's that stupid sight you have. You have the same stupid sight I, stupid sight I do. Yeah, no, mine's got five pins, not one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yours is all cluttered. Do you know there's not even much of the target you can see through the face on there because all them pins you got in there. I am so good I can see through things. Well, I'm know? so good that I, I only need one pin. I guess, but now here I'm I'm hearing you saying, oh, my arrow's hitting things and blah, blah, blah. Well, just my fletching was catching the bottom of my sight. Yeah, yeah you're, you're kind of smirking. And your sight actually doesn't even have the little part that mine was hitting, so. No. No. But, uh, yeah, yeah what's, uh, what's in the news? What you got? Oh, you didn't want to hear about my week? Oh, yeah, I do want to hear about your week. <laughs> I do want to hear about your week. You, I you just, did a lot. I didn't do a lot, but uh, I was out Friday night and I was out Saturday night, and I kind of rut busted with the fishing. Yeah, what did you get a big ass bass? I got a big bass. I was just—I didn't even bother taking a picture. I was so upset when I caught this big bass because it hit like a pike. Yeah. I looked away for a split second and I hear a kachunk, and I look back and I'm like, "Oh man!" In the spot I'm in, I've caught a lot of big pike, and the line kind of went and took off and then it went straight down and so i'm like i bet you this isn't a pike and no kidding i got a broadside view of this thing was your fly like right on top of the water i was throwing one of my big poppers yeah with those howitzer heads but it the splash sounded like a pike but usually pike turn 180 degrees and book it you know you peel and drag instantly this thing went right to the bottom it was just like towing in a big log and i saw it was a bass and i'm like ah you know oh man i got a big fish dang i know it's just a, a, a kind of over large mouth bass you know it's probably yeah. it, it's in the top three biggest ones i caught in the last 10 years 
Yeah. There's a shepherd barking. <laughs> she sees something. But, uh, I mean, it was a good fish. If you were out bass fishing, I'd be bragging to you right now. If somebody was out there to catch largemouth bass, I'd be telling you I caught a huge one. Yeah, but you're all about the pike. I, I just think this is a tough time of year for pike. You used to see the picture Paxton sent me last night of his. What, what was that? Four pounds, 11 ounces. Wow. Yeah. It was a tank, dude. This thing was a tank. Largemouth? Yeah. Wow. Where was I'm, he? I'm assuming some pond over by his house. Oh, you wow. Know? I know he does a lot of the farm ponds, but this thing was a tank. Yeah, farm ponds are something else when it comes to just if you're going out there trying to catch a million largemouth. Yeah, I, I mean, I've caught some big in those little ponds, but this thing, this, this thing I could have swallowed this computer here. Definitely could have fit this coffee cup in its mo- mouth. Yeah, our, our brother-in-law fishes on a farm pond, and he's like, what, when you go fishing, you don't catch less than 50 fish? And you're like, it's um, a starving bass. You yeah, could, you could put anything on there. I mean, I could put this wrapper on there and they'll eat it. Yeah, you know, they're starving. They'll take whatever. It's not really sporty. You know, it's yeah. entertaining, but it's not sporty. You didn't really hunt anything down. They're just gonna go send their mouth after something they haven't seen before. Yeah, when they'd rather jump in your boat than live in their conditions. You know, it's not. It's <laughs> it's just kind of entertaining. <laughs> like Asian carp. Yeah. Right. Or whatever the heck they call them now they're uh well yeah you got to be politically correct you yeah know? i feel so bad now i mean you know actually maybe. i got an article on that today you want to move into the news yeah absolutely go for it uh this is illinois i'm gonna start with with the asian carp it's not even illinois it's more missouri but it's going to apply to illinois okay this is from daily journal online article was to fight invasive carp missouri scientists track the babies so traditionally, fighting the Asian carp, they put up dams. They put up those remember those shock nets, yeah, and things like that. So they're they're usually they're usually doing that kind of stuff, putting a barrier up. Now, now they're studying the studying ways that the carp eggs move through the water, and they're hoping to kill them while they're young, hoping to target sites that the eggs pile up on and then collect them. So they're they're gonna they're gonna try and stop the Asian carp before they're actually Asian carp. I just picture a bunch of guys with green polos out there swimming nets through the Fox River. I don't understand. Green polos? That's just what I picture all DNR. Not non, you know, non uh, officer. I picture like DNR people wearing green polos. I don't know. You know, like state of Illinois stuff. Huh. Yeah. Okay. I know it's weird, but that's that's just the, telling you the picture that popped up in my mind. That's just yeah. kind of the gist of the article. Um, but. They're developing, they're trying to find the science of it. So this will apply to, they were talking about four different uh, species of invasive carp. You know? Invasive carp. Is that the official name for it? Uh, that's what they're trying to rebrand it to, you know? Yeah, but if you put the two pieces together, you know, Asian people are going to be like, well, are we invasive? This would be great, though. If they came up, came up with that and they're like, oh, you know what? We're going to go right to this spot of the river and scoop up 10 billion Asian carp bags. Oh, they're gone. You know. So what about if these carp came from Germany? Would being calling them German carp would that be offensive? Uh well, would that does that offend you? It doesn't bother me at all. It doesn't bother me at all. I mean, we're kind of German. We call them German cars. We call them German this and, you know. Now now me. should we call those invasive cars? I think we're getting off topic. <laughs> yeah. So that's my Illinois article is that they're going to try and find a new way to fight these carp. And then just hopefully they do that. The ones that are out there now, they just die off and we move on from this, you know? Well, I'll go with Michigan because I was digging real deep in the DNR website and I found some cool stuff. Well, the one was, the one's actually a pretty big news article this week, but uh, 
in Lake Michigan, they caught a 47-pound Chinook salmon. And uh, it, it happened on a charter. Uh, the guy, you know, he paid for a charter and caught this huge salmon. So they, they kind of credit both the fishermen and the and the guy that runs the charter because you know how that's It's more works. the charter. The, yeah. The guy just paid to crank the reel, you know? That's yeah. the way I look at that. I caught a 7'8 salmon, and it's like, well, or not 7'8 sturgeon. And I'm like, ah, well, did I really catch that, you know? Yeah. You so, paid a guy to use his stuff and take you to his spots. I when, mean, who caught it? Yeah, really? when all he does is just hand you the rod and say, okay, now you twist this handle. Yeah, you know? crank it in. Yeah. And then, um, so both of these come from Michigan.gov. But, uh, so, yeah, they caught a 47-pound Chinook salmon. And uh, my second article from Michigan was actually, this is the one that I just kind of stumbled across and I found to be kind of funny. This guy, somebody called in a guy with a moose head in the back of his truck. And I don't know if they called the police or no, they did dial 911. The guy, you know, cause they thought they were poaching moose. Well, this guy got pulled over. He's like, well, I, I kind of just found it, you know? And if you were a cop, what would you say? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You just found that. And, uh, so they actually went back and tracked the moose, like where, where the guy found the moose head, they went back and found it and they couldn't find any evidence of him poaching it. So they just gave him a warning and sent him on his way. Saying, you know, you can't steal state property. Yeah, they took the head back, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so. I'm not surprised. When we were in Alaska, I was asking about what happens if you do have to kill a bear. And I don't know if they use it as like a deterrent, but when if you do kill a, like a, a brown bear, black bear in the state of Alaska, uh, you got to skin it and take the paws off and turn it in. Really? Yeah. Wow. You have to take, do you have to take all the skin off? Yeah. All the fur has got to come off. Why is that? I'm not exactly sure, you know. I'm sure they sell it, do something with it that they, they can justify. But I think the biggest thing is a deterrent. So you're more like, oh, man, I don't want to be out there doing that. Yeah, I got all this work to do before I can just go back. Yeah, so they're, I, they're, I know they try to turn you on to bear spray because they're trying to get the bear spray and the genetics of the bears. Right. You know, so as they reproduce, they, they look at humans and be scared of them. Well, how many years is that going to take? Hundreds? Thousands? I don't know about that. I mean, two generations, maybe three generations. Well, I mean, you know, mosquitoes eventually learn about, you know, the bug repellent and stuff like that, and they kind of get immune to it. But I mean, well, immunity is not, you know, it's not a thought process. But you wonder, you know, how many times do mosquitoes reproduce so they can evolve faster than a bear that does it every what? Year? No, I I mean, like, uh, yeah, I guess year. You know, if a bear got sprayed a couple times and then. Over the next couple of seasons, had babies. They might, you know, be taught. How old does a female bear have to be to re- reproduce? Oh, I got to imagine a year or two. I don't know. But, hmm. I mean, animals are, I mean, they don't live that long, I don't think. I mean, I think a bear can live up, what, 20, 30 years probably? Yeah, long time. Um, but, I mean, if they're reproducing every year, every other year, they're having babies often. But that's hmm. the one a park ranger gave us that explanation. They're trying to get it in their genetics to be afraid of humans. Yeah. I'm just you know, you just wonder when you hear something like that, how long will it take? You know, it's not going to happen by twenty thirty. It might. You never know. I mean, certain species. Or they smell it. You know. I'll tell you that bear that you sprayed might learn. Yeah. Quickly. So moving on. Yeah, moving on, and then uh, well, did you want to do Illinois? I or, did Illinois. Or, I'm sorry, Wisconsin. Yeah. Not unless you got something. No, go for it. Why did you want to go somewhere with that? No. No, oh. I'm good. I just, you know, don't poach moose in Michigan or don't, don't, 
don't be stupid enough to put it in the back of your truck. I'll be honest with you. I didn't know Michigan had moose. Yeah, it's very small, very, very small population. But. I know Minnesota did when we were up there, but, I mean, that touches Canada, you know. It's just like I found out that, you know, Michigan has elk this year, you know. Well, I mean, they've, they've had elk for a little bit, but I, I thought that was pretty crazy. I know this used to be their, like, native land and stuff like that, but. Yeah, I didn't know they were up there either. Yeah, there's a special – they do, like, an auction every year for – not not well, I guess it would be more of, like, an auction, more like a raffle where they raffle off, like, special tickets, and the one guy got an elk, elk ticket I was reading. So that's pretty cool. I might do that next year. But, yeah, what you got for Wisconsin? For Wisconsin, guess what we're going to talk about in Wisconsin? I'm guessing it's going to be something about the little neat stores in Minooka because you love that kind of stuff. No, I don't. No. <laughs> but it just wouldn't seem like a podcast if wolves didn't come up, right? Right, yeah. You know, I, pretty soon this is going to be like Midwestern wolves. Yeah, this is going to be wolves wolf preservation podcast. Yeah. By the way, remember, if you can hear this podcast, that means you can be on it. Email us at whistlemissionpodcast at gmail.com. And we're new to the wolf thing, so if you got any info on wolves, we want to hear it. It just seems to be such a hot topic. It seems like they're always changing. Well, here, so in Wisconsin, this is from Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. The uh, article is, Resources Board Overrules DNR to Set Wolf Kill Quota at 300 for the fall season. So that's like more than twice as much as they were. More than twice because they were on at 130. So the board approved a statewide kill quota of 300 wolves in the fall. Okay. That's huge, man. That's a lot. Oh, it's a ton. Like how many are up there? Not even a thousand? No, we're under a thousand now. From the article I was reading, they were saying the original like measuring stick was going to be 350. So depending on who you argue with, um, They'll tell you that we're still double the amount of quota that they sent back in the 90s, you know? Hmm. So this is spread across six zones, excluding the American Indian reservations. They have not weighed in on this yet. And it could be less than 300, depending on the tribal declarations. DNR still only wants 130 due. The biggest reason they're, they're pushing against it is because that February hunt that came out of nowhere happened during their breeding season. So they can't really predict. So they're saying like just for this fall, do 130. Yeah, just so we can kind of reevaluate things, you know. Right. Instead of, you know, decimating the population right now, you know, during two seasons. Yeah, you killed a bunch of pregnant mothers and, you know. So if they were to do, would you be in favor of like if they did 130 this fall, then, you know, if they didn't get enough, do 300 next fall? I would like to talk, to, I would. I would like... Every article you find on this is for the wolves, yeah. which I am for the wolves. Don't get me wrong. But I can't really find any good information on the, for the people that are saying, no, we need to hunt the wolves. Right. There's two sides to every story. Because most of these articles mention something that supports it, but it's not the article like biased towards it, you know? Yeah. So the one thing that I, do, I, I did read that got me interested in like thinking about that part of it is when they said the original quota is we want 350 wolves in the state of Wisconsin. So you hear we got 1,100, and they killed X amount. Now we're down to 700. Well, according to the 90s thing, they're still twice the population that they were. Wow. Well, that's pretty good. I mean, I don't know. I'm not – well, you know, people say, oh, well, bears are bad. You know, kill all the bears. It's like 
I mean, they're there for a reason, you know? Well, I mean, they got a right to live too. But, you know, somebody that's for the wolf hunt, they'll be like, no, see, we're still overcrowded with these things. We only need X amount, and they're not letting us hunt them, and now they're overrun. And so I would I would be curious to hear what somebody in favor. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. Would You know, when you if you went to a presidential debate, would, it would kind of suck if just one guy was there. When you hear that they approved twice the quota, I want to hear from the guy that really pushed that. Right. Somebody, somebody was really lobbying to get twice the amount, a little over twice the amount. Because maybe that's the guy that did the most research and the guy that has seen the most, or maybe it's, you know. Right. That's so, what I want to hear, yeah. So when you hear, oh, we went from X amount down to X amount, and this is all we have left, well, one argument says there's still twice as many as we need. Yeah, and like, you know, we, we have never seen wolves cross this threshold of, you know, and now they're like just so popular and you want to slow down their reproduction rate. I mean, I get that, you know, I just don't want to see them. All get killed off and yeah, decimated. You know, two seasons. You know, so that was my Wisconsin weekly uh, wolf update. And w- one other thing I want to add to that because they, you know, how well did they track them before the government deregulated them? I'm sure not. Hmm. I bet you not as good as you think. Because like now that that happened, all this attention just bang is on them. Well, that's the thing is they were saying that uh, they have to offer us hunt every year until they're put on the regulation list. Right. And, but once again, I, I'm totally in favor of the wolves. I love the wolves. I have no reason to hunt a wolf, not interested in hunting a wolf, not interested in trapping a wolf, nothing. Well, but what, I, what if they went and killed off the entire whitetail population? And Well, that's the thing. So like, that's why I'm, I, I would wish somebody from the wolf world, the pro wolf hunting world would write an article biased, making the other guys look bad. Right. You know? Absolutely. Because, I mean, for me, like I said, I'm not interested in it, but there's a reason to. Go for it. We're killing Asian carp, you know? What if all the articles were in favor of the Asian carp? You'd think these guys are big bad guys, you know? Yeah. I'm very inv- invasive species. Because I imagine to some people that wolves are pests. To us, they're cool looking because we don't have them here. We go up there and we see them and they're wild and it's really super cool. You know, that's a good point that you paralleled those two because... Asian carp like reproduce insanely fast and they can do it anywhere. Yeah. And there's no natural predator. It's one thing back when Lake Michigan, uh, when they introduced salmon to Lake Michigan to eat those, uh, uh, what were those called? They're like shad. Oh, I can't think of the name. Gobies? No, this is way back, like probably in the seventies. Oh, okay. Cause you know, salmon aren't native to Lake Michigan, right. to the great lakes. Absolutely. And there was this, uh, big thing, of dead fish washing up on the beaches. Okay. And they're like, man, we got to fix this. All our beaches are like rotting fish. Well, let's put these bigger fish in there and they ate them. Problem with Asian carp is we don't have anything to eat them. You know, they're the size of my leg. And well, I mean, hey, you know, because I've been reading a lot about people getting caught with no fishing license or like way over the limit and stuff like that in Michigan, Indiana. And, uh, We'll just, you know, send a couple of people of them out there, you know. If 2,500 people bring a five-gallon bucket home full of salmon or uh, full of Asian carp. Yeah, one fits in that bucket, though. That's how the size of these things, no, you know. Get 25 buckets. It's uh, That's the problem with Asian carp is there's no natural predator, you know. Yeah. Just us. We're the only natural predator. But we don't see that well underwater to really manage, you know. And that would put wolves at the tip-top of the food chain in Wisconsin. Right. 
Wow. Yeah. I mean, obviously. Let's put it this way. Without our weapons, they're at the top of the food chain. Yeah. Yeah. You are not be, taking one of them. Well, you'd be fighting it off with a stick. You're, yeah. I guess I could do that. I think I, think sharp I could stick. do that. I think you could do that. Jim, Jim Wolf Defender. Yeah. You or, know. You ever no, see the movie 300? What's that? He made that look easy. You know, what in that little crevice? Stuck a spear through his face? We should make a movie about that wolf hunt and call it the Wolf 300. Huh. All right, moving on. This so, is Wisconsin. No. No, no. Okay. Moving on. What else you got? Um, see, so I did my Michigan. Oh, my Indiana story. Uh, this is more of a story because I, I dove so far into this article and I got so into it. Little did I realize that it's over, but I'm still going to talk about it because I think it's pretty cool. I got this off of Wayne.com. They are allowing uh, special hunting draws for 17 state parks in Indiana. 14 of them you can hunt with a rifle. Three of them you can hunt with a bow. And uh, it looks like these places you're not typically allowed to hunt. So this is pretty cool. They're allowing people to take three deer. I think uh, one antlerless. Um so they're trying to they're obviously trying to take the population down and then they specifically said don't wait for your trophy buck this isn't tagged go take your trophy buck we want 3 deer we don't care about the size and uh i don't know i think that's i think that's pretty cool the thing that the the reason why i'm talking about it is because i'm so late to the party that i'm kind of disappointed and it's a good reminder to go out there and read if you want to go and hunt on one of these special hunts you got to do your reading early because yeah, this is uh, the close. This is all closed. You said, right? Yeah, it's closed. Well, you can't apply anymore. I think the deadline was midnight on August 9th. so that kind of stinks. I guess look forward to it next year, right? Yeah, but it's, it's just like, to- man, there's so much stuff I got to do. You know? Yeah, there's so I know. many things. Like if you, you know, you got to get on this. You know, if if you want turkeys, you got to get on it in the fall, right? You got to get on your research in the fall. You got to apply after the fall season's over, and you got to be on that. When are Illinois really- deer tags coming out? Uh, I think you can't buy them till like the middle of September or something like that. Okay. Hold up. Before before we put that in the podcast, I hope you edit that part out. We, let's let's look that up now that you said that. Okay. If, so if you're an Illinois resident archery hunter, your tag is now available because it happened on August 3rd. So we are... This is another thing, man. Like, this is a great point. Didn't even mean to talk about this. You got to get your crap together. You, if you want to do this, man, you got to do your research. Yeah, you got to stay on it. You know. No, you know, the DNR is not going to come tap on your door or send you an email saying, hey, uh, if you want to hunt, you can, you know, apply You know for you it. were talking about it, so here's your tags and everything you need to know. No, it, you got to work at it. Yeah, you really got to work at it. And it's like, I would have loved to be part of that, you know, that Indiana hunt on the state parks because, I mean, think about the lack of pressure there. You know what I mean? I don't know. I think there's more pressure in Indiana than you give credit. No, I'm, I'm talking about the state parks that you typically wouldn't be allowed to hunt. Oh, wouldn't be. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. There's like no, you get you go there, there's like no pressure there. Can be, you imagine if the forest preserves around here just opened up one year? Oh, man. I know just by my house, I could walk, I, I could walk across the street past the neighbor's house and go into those woods right there and fill both my tags in a weekend. I mean, think about being kids at the Argonne National Laboratory, you know, the woods around there. That place was always uh, got a million people, you know? Well, or I'm, I'm million saying, deer, sorry, million deer. Right, right here by where the archery range is. Imagine if you could walk. I could fill both tags without even a tree stand. But yeah, so that's my Indiana story, and I guess the main takeaway from that, even though it's over, is uh, get your crap together because by the time you know it, it's going to be gone. So is that it for the news? Yeah, 
Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did all four. We got it. I think next See? week I, I got a couple of hidden gems going. I got one I've written. I one I've gotten written on my own. Got it's one my own. I writ. It's uh, it's one I did yesterday. It was a little paddle thing I did yesterday, and I wrote up this. Uh, it's actually a four-page little story of my. Wow! Look yeah, at you. Yeah, it's a four-page little thing. I might record it separately and just insert it. But then uh, I got some more. I've been doing, I got a whole, I bought a notebook just for hidden gems. So I got them in the chamber at all times. Fun fact about Jim is it's written in a language that only he can understand because of his handwriting. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm the same way. It's kind of just scratched <laughs> on there. Yeah. They're like hieroglyphics. So I guess we'll do smoking bills real quick. Yeah, let's do smoking bills. Can't I'm, not, uh, I'm not sure exactly what this is going to be because he's got two things. And over the last week, I've heard that he's going to do this one. So I don't know. I don't know exactly what he's got. So. He, he texted me yesterday. He's like, hey, do you like pulled pork? And well, I'm he's trying myself, to figure out what we're doing for the Northwoods. Yeah, exactly. But I'm, I'm thinking, who doesn't like pulled pork? I'm know? not a big pork guy, you know. Wow. Okay. Yeah, let's so. go to Smoking Bills. Let's get let's uh, just run right away from that one. So here is Smoking Bills. And uh, welcome back, Smoking Bill or Bill Nye the Smoking Guy. Which one are we going with? Still haven't decided yet. So we're going to stick, stick with smoking bills. We'll stick with smoking bills for the time being. Okay. If somebody has any suggestions, we're more than welcome to them. So what do you got for us this week? So as of last week, mentioned that I did the uh, little surprise. Um, kind of a, a love-hate relationship for you this week. You uh, generally don't like bacon, don't you? No, I don't like bacon. Okay. Not generally. Never. Never. <laughs> well, that's what I made. Uh, it's been curing in the fridge for about 14 days. I thought it was 12. Uh, 12, it, 10 to 14, it depends. So basically all you do is you put it, put a bunch of salt and brown sugar. Wait, 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 wait. What are we talking about? We're talking about making bacon. Okay, yeah, Homemade but what's, bacon. The, what's the cut of meat you used? You didn't say that. Oh, we use a pork belly. Pork belly. Pork belly, yep. It was on sale. Um, I forget what I paid for it. but So basically what I did is home cured it. And to cure it, all you basically do is take some salt, a lot of salt, pepper, some brown sugar, uh, smother the pork belly in it, put it in a plastic bag, put it in the fridge for about uh, 10 to 14 days. That's you a long time. It's a long in time. In the fridge, not the freezer. In the fridge, not the freezer. You want to draw out all that moisture. So you'll see when you rub it, like all the extra juices start to come out of it. Man, the only thing that sits in my fridge for 12 days is that bottle of mustard I forgot about. <laughs> nope. You flip it over every couple of days, and you'll start to see a lot of moisture coming out of it. So curing's been around forever. Curing is just rubbing meat with salt, and it's a method of preserving it. Oh, for sure. Like, uh, for instance, I'm reading that Boone book on Daniel Boone right now. Yeah. And they talk about salt. They actually, at certain camps, they actually send people out to salt. Yep. find salt and they they get they call them different licks and things like that and these guys go and separate it so they have preservatives for their food for the winter yep. it's a huge deal dating back to the 1700s oh it's been around forever i'm sure longer than that but this book goes back to the 1700s i yeah. should say no it's been around forever it's just a method of kind of storing the meat so after about 14 days i pulled it out and you want to make sure that it's kind of it's not quite soft anymore it's not quite just a raw piece of meat it's it's got a little bit of firmness to it so I pulled it out after 14 days and washed all the salt and everything off of it. Threw it on the smoker at uh, 225 for, uh, it took about two to three hours. Got the internal temperature to 150 degrees. Wait, wait, wait. Two to three hours of smoking the meat or to heat up the grill? What are you? Two what? to three hours of smoking. That's it, huh? Yep. Bring it up to 150 degrees. We used apple. So we'll, applewood smoked bacon. 
Oh, that's why they call that one. That's why they call it. So I smoked it at that for, I'm sorry, I smoked it at 225 with apple pellets. Um, yeah, it took about two, three hours. From there, it's not quite done yet. You still have to fry it because you got to have crispy bacon. And yeah, when I sliced it up, it was, it tasted like bacon. It was a lot of work to do, honestly. Um, I, I don't know if I'm going to do it again in the near future. It was quite a bit of work just for bacon, but... Not worth it, you're saying? No, it, I mean, it was worth it to say, hey, I made homemade bacon. But it was you, the, the prep time, the the waiting, 14 days. You, uh, you know, unless you were doing it like a ton of pork belly, which I actually have a story about that. I'll tell you in a minute. Yeah, it, it was a lot of work. It, it paid off. It was good bacon, but it's nice to say that I did it. So back to when you first pulled it off. Yeah. So when you pulled it off and you said you sliced it. Does this slice like bacon, or does this slice like a like a pot roast type thing? It slices like bacon. It slices, I mean, it's a firm piece of meat at that point. It's internal no kidding. Okay. You showed me that piece of meat like a few like way before, like a week before you smoked it. Yep. And it was all fatty. It looked like it looked like a piece of white lard. You yep. Know? Does that cook off? Uh no, it, it will cook off when you uh, actually fry it in the pan. The fat will but render and everything. Not the smoking. No, because you're not smoking it for nearly long enough. If I were to smoke it for an extremely long time, then, yeah, it would fall off. But that's not the point. You want to get it, like, nice and firm. Yeah, it's not the point of bacon. Yeah, you right? want – bacon is basically fatty. <laughs> it's real fatty. Yeah, it's not supposed to be good for you. No, no, definitely not. But, no, I made another piece, too, for you. I made it yesterday. Uh, like I said, this is more about love and hate. So I took two things that you hate and mixed it with one thing that you love. You hate pork. But you love whiskey. I do love whiskey. I don't. I wouldn't say I hate pork. But, uh, like, but if like if you had, to, uh, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'd take pork over chicken. Okay. I will give you that. I okay. Would, I would eat pork a hundred times over chicken. I don't see. I don't get that. You're you're a health nut, but chicken is so good for you. So is beef. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you could argue that. So uh, another thing I did yesterday was a center cut pork loin. Um, this is a smoke thing, or a- this was a smoking thing. It was uh, a, about a five pound. It was no, it was four point five five pound uh, center cut pork loin Duroc. Real quick before you go, uh, you said you don't remember what you paid for the pork belly. I don't remember what I paid for the pork belly, but I remember what I paid for the pork loin. The belly. Do you have any estimate on what you should be expecting? You walk in there to buy a belly. What would you expect to pay? Any idea? Well, this was Duroc, but it was also one of those Burkott specials where it was basically use it in the next couple of days. I, I can't remember what I paid for it, honestly. Okay, so how about this uh, Duroc? Duroc. Well, we had the Duroc center cup pork loin, thirteen ninety nine for four point five pounds. Oh, that's not a bad price. Not bad at all. Pork's a lot cheaper than beef. It's especially nowadays. Beef beef prices are really on the rise, especially that's ground beef. That's because it's worth it. Uh, well, but uh, so the center cup pork loin. All I did was well, I froze it when I bought it at first because I wasn't ready to cook it. So after defrosting. Uh, I stabbed a few holes in it and mixed a whiskey and apple cider vinegar. What uh, whiskey? Maker's Mark. The only stuff I had available. I'm not a whiskey drinker. I know you're a whiskey connoisseur, but. Yeah, Maker's Mark. I'll give you credit for that. If you said Jack, I'd have been like, that's not whiskey. <laughs> Jack yeah, Daniels no. is not real whiskey. I, I, I don't drink whiskey often, but when I do, I, I, I generally go by what whatever you give me because you're a whiskey snob so you i probably would for for pork i probably would have given you buffalo trace for the price for the flavor i would have given you a bottle of buffalo trace okay well yeah i used uh maker's mark which is what i had handy 
So yeah, take a shot of whiskey, a shot of uh, apple cider vinegar, kind of mix that up. Like I said, stab a few holes in the in the pork loin, and kind of douse it. You just douse it with that mixture, and then for a rub. When you say douse it, you mean just so you got this thing sitting in a bowl or? No, I put it on a cutting board. Okay, and you just pour it over the top of yep, it. Pour it over the top, kind of rub it in there, make sure it gets in all the crevices and into and the it holes. Does, it made. holds. I oh, feel yeah. like that would just like run off and be a waste. No, it it, it definitely holds onto it. Well. You're using that more to hold your rub. So the rub that I used, I actually kind of homemade it, uh, was brown sugar, uh, smoked paprika, salt, pepper, and I added some cayenne pepper um, for a little bit of heat, and then some onion and garlic powder. So it was kind of a homemade, spicy, quick make, quick mix kind of rub. But as soon as you, uh, as soon as you cover that thing with a whiskey and the apple cider, I rubbed it down and got it ready to go on the smoker. And again, because it's pork and I had the apple chips, I used the apple apple pellets for this one. So what you do... Why, why did you use apple? I like the sweetness of it. I, li- I like the sweet... With the pork. Yeah, with the pork. The, and the fruity, whiskey flavor. Yeah, the whiskey, fruity, apple. It, it, they really complemented each other. See, I feel like I feel like what makers mark like oak, what it sounds like, it would just be a natural maple or something like that. More hardwoody, like... Uh, I, I mean, it's definitely... Yeah, I mean, I guess you're right. We could have gone with oak, but... No, it's just that would have been like, hey, if you said, guess what pellet I used with that, I would have been like, ah, maple or oak. Maple or oak. No, uh, yeah, we went with apple. I like, I really, that's probably my favorite pellet so far is is apple. I know I use oak quite a bit because oak is so versatile and it's just kind of a go-to, but I love the flavor that apple gives you. It's nice and fruity. and It's definitely different on meat. Yeah, oh, for sure. It's not. It's not what you you'd expect, Go, yeah. especially if you walked in like a barbecue joint or oh, something. Oh yeah, absolutely. You, know, you would not expect an apple. And everything. To it. Everything's hickory. This and people, I love apple. Got to use apple. But as far as temperature goes, we uh, uh, set the smoker up at two hundred thirty-five degrees. Uh, we threw the pork loin on there, and I think I smoked it for it was about three and a half, probably four hours uh, before I got to an internal temp of one hundred sixty-five. And that's where you serve it at? Uh, no, I pull it off at 165, and then I the way that I've done it is I, I pull it off, and then I wrap it in foil just to let it set for – let all the juices kind of marinate back in. And then after that, it's one of those – I sliced off a little bit of the fat on the bottom because this was a pretty fatty pork loin. Um, but no, sliced it up, and made, it, it turned out awesome. It really did. It had a real nice – um, hard, nice brown red bark to it. I do like the bark on like steaks and things like this. I imagine I would buy like this piece of meat here. You may, yeah. I'll bring you over a piece if you want. I, I've I've got four and a half pounds of it. It's definitely no. I just had a big lunch. I'm good for a while. Yeah, yeah. We had a big old bar burger for lunch today. You know. No, of course. That's one of your favorite foods. That is my favorite food, I'd have to say. Bars. A big, big old bar burger with fries, man. Yeah, or a patty baby. melt. You're yeah, a patty, patty melt, melt guy, too. Yeah, big time. Even even if I'm not in the mood for a patty melt, if I go to a restaurant that serves one, I have to get it. Yep. Just to see how good it is. You know? Oh, yeah. No, that, that that pork loin, it turned out pretty good. I think what I'm going to do, it's going to be my meal for this week, four and a half pounds of it. It was, it was definitely worth it. I'm going to make some uh, mashed potatoes and some Brussels sprouts tonight. That'll be... Uh, That'll be my meal prep I for do the like next Brussels couple of days. Sprouts. Oh, that's it. I love Brussels sprouts. Yeah, that's Especially good. this time of year. They're in season. They're cheap. That's Buy a good. bag of them. I've got to imagine asparagus would be good right now, too. I asparagus, haven't had it in a yep. while. It's pretty good. Probably like the thickness of my thumb, right? Oh, yeah. 
You got to get asparagus when it's on sale. Like I was at Jewel a couple weeks ago and it was two ninety nine a pound. What? Are you kidding me? It's like two weeks ago I paid ninety nine cents a pound for this stuff. Yeah, right. And you can go out and get it wild if you're feeling frisky. Uh, you were telling me about that. I don't know if I'd be that willing to have asparagus. <laughs> yeah, know? no, I'm definitely. You said it's like in every ditch around, didn't it? Yeah, it's in ditches anywhere where a bird can sit on top of something and plop out some seeds that nah, it didn't okay. digest. So, so you're pretty much saying that underneath power lines oh yeah like farmer culverts oh yeah power lines ditches fences old wooden fences you'll find it anything not mowed yeah anything not mowed if you're if you're looking hard enough you'll find it guy at work knows of a few spots that he goes to but it'd almost be worth just to see if we could go find it (laughs) we should one of these days i'd be i'd be open to that just to see if we could find some you know hey we got wild caught asparagus would be wild caught or wild cultivated uh Wild caught. I wild like caught. That. Wild but, caught uh, asparagus. So how are you serve that? I slice it. Just eat it right? Fork and... Fork You're talking about the pork line? Yeah. Yep. Slice it up and serve it with whatever you want, whatever side you want. Like I said, I'm going to mix mashed potatoes and Brussels sprouts to go with it. So it's not like a sandwich meat type? Uh, you could make a pork sandwich, I suppose. Would be a waste? Maybe a waste of good meat? No, it wouldn't be a waste. It's just... Not preferred? Nah, not preferred. I, I like my pork loin just sliced up just like a regular old, like you would serve almost like a steak almost. Cut it with a knife and a fork and you're good to go. That's how I prefer to eat everything. Oh, yeah. You know, if I can leave the bread out, perfect. Yep. Perfect. Less carbs. So is that all you got for us this week? Yeah, that's I, all I got for you this week. Um, I see you got the uniform on again. I got the uniform on. You told me you were going to fire me if I didn't wear the this uniform This was your today, last straw. So. You had a last chance letter in your file. So, yeah, we yeah. have the uh, the 90 shirts. The, I think this one. Yep, this is an MTV shirt. Oh, yeah. I thought you had the Daryl one on again. You're right. That is a tie-dye MTV shirt. Tie-dye MTV shirt. Techni- Technovision. Technicolor. I still love those pit vipers. Oh, yeah. God, are those things hideous. <laughs> they really are. They're what so a waste obnoxious. of $30, and I can't believe everybody's buying them. Yep. You know? But they look good. They, you they, know? They, they definitely suit the style, I oh, guess. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Red, white, and blue headband. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Let's see. Oh, you're barefoot, though. You know? I'm barefoot. I don't have the Crocs or the... Uh, or the flip-flops today. I am a Croc man myself. Yeah. So. Gotta love the Crocs. They are. There should be a warning label on Crocs, though. Warning, you will die if your feet are wet. Yep. Because they are... If you've been in, like, wet feet with no. those... No, I haven't. Got, dude, it is like... Imagine barefoot on glass ice. Really? You're, you're, you're at least sure to twist an ankle, if not die. Really? One of the two. Yeah. Oh, it's horrible. There <laughs> no. should be a warning label when you got it. Because they kind of advertise them towards like water shoes. Yeah. You will die if your feet are wet in those. No. It's, it's insanely dangerous to walk around in wet Crocs. <laughs> you got to dry it. You'll know exactly what I mean, too. Go pour a bucket of water on my Crocs at home just to, just to try it. Well, I launched a boat with them on accident. Yeah. A couple, nah, it's longer than a couple weeks ago. But usually I put switch in my water shoes this time of year. Totally forgot. Never crossed my mind. I, I got the whole boat set up. Never crossed my mind. Walk the boat out, push it off the trailer, and I get up and I'm like walking to the driver's side of the truck. Yeah. I swear my knee like buckled, my ankle caved, and I like just about fell down, all from a wet shoe. What do they just slip and slide around or it would be the equivalent of like Pam on a window. Really? Yeah. Pam on a window. <laughs> Pam on a wet bar of soap in the shower, a tile shower. Oh my god. It is like the most dangerous thing. I ever. think you're over exaggerating. I would never do such a thing. <laughs> so anyway, if that's all you got, I'll leave anyway, you alone. Yeah, that's all I have for you this week. Um, 
No, yeah, that's all I have for you this week. I appreciate you having me, and uh, I look forward to coming back next week with something new and exciting. I uh, I definitely appreciate your time for this. Pat does, too. No, no problem. Know, we were talking about it earlier. I think it's on a recording. Maybe. Maybe. You kind of forget, you know. <laughs> yeah, These right. These things all start crisscrossing. Yeah. So, well, I guess I'll see you next week. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks. That was Smoking Bills. Wow. He's always got good stuff. Thank you, Bill. I appreciate your time and energy, you know. Yeah. I really do. So yeah, so do I. And the energy bill from smoking all that stuff. <laughs> he loves it, you know. Yeah. He definitely loves it. I'm just glad he does it for us, you know. So we're gonna be recording that soon. And speaking of which, real quick, are you gonna buy that camera you told me about or not? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I want to. I didn't send you a link today. You didn't send me a link for a ground pad. I've been waiting on that for a month. A ground pad for a sleeping bag. Oh shit, man! You gotta. Okay, so you gotta give me like. A text every now and then and be like, hey, you didn't give me that link. Hey, you didn't give me that link. Hey. I did tell you. We've talked about this since then. The ground pad. This is the first time I'm hearing about it since the last time. we talk, like, When I tell somebody like, I'm going to send them a link, you know what works. I do that moment? You send them a link? I send them that link right but, then. But what if you were knee deep in a international EGR valve? I would stop what I was doing. I sent you that link. And goo up your phone. and That's how important this is to me, you know? But anyway, <laughs> that camera... Because uh, I'm curious. I want you to spend the money, and then I reap all the benefits of seeing how it works. Well, you know, see, there's a – I don't mind doing that because there's a lot of things that you've done the reverse of that. So I just uh, – if that camera works out for that price, I'm going to buy a couple of them. I'm at least going to start with one. Yeah, I mean, you know? what do you want to go run around with a bunch of $1,900 cameras and then, you know – $1,900 you are spending? No, 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 no. These are 150 yeah, so what did you say 1900 for? No, I mean, it was more going to your point of like why buy a bunch of expensive cameras or why even buy one expensive camera and then not even take it where you want to because you're afraid of ruining it. I know, that's how it is. I had to go do some photography today and I was like so happy to grab my good camera and it's like I never use this because I'm scared of, I'm going to ruin it. I might as well just ruin it and then at least live with it, you know? One thing too, I might have to buy a new uh, rangefinder. Uh-oh. Don't know where the heck that thing ended up. I think I left it in the back of a golf cart in Wisconsin. Oh, that sucks. I got two boxes of sportsman's things upstairs. One's yeah. fly fishing, one's hunting. Yeah, I know. I've got that too. But it's like, so one, when you take something out of your hunting box to go golfing with it. I wouldn't have brought a golfing because it's for hunting. That's what I mean. Hmm. You're, you'd be amazed how great those things are for golfing. Oh, I know. I just, uh, I bought that for hunting. Anyway, yeah. on to the main topic. Yeah, so you thought of this topic, and I'm actually excited to talk about it. I'm going to let you lead the way. So it's fair chase. So this is not a topic that we have a bunch of information on. But You didn't I, exactly announce that very good. What are we talking about? We're talking about fair chase. Fair we're, chase. Fair chase in regards of? Um, anything. Wild game? Wild game. And I'm, dude, that could go into fishing. That could go into hunting. Any, any avenue of the outdoors, what is fair chase? I have some strong opinions on this. Yeah, so if you were out there fishing with your fly rod and you saw a guy with a huge net just going and scooping up 20 uh, pike, wouldn't you be like super? I w- I'd be amazed at work, to be honest with you. So what if that guy turned around and said, I'm an American, you know, I'm, this is my freedom to do this kind of stuff. Well, it's, you know. That's... I know I know certain uh, places the Indians can spear them, and that's part of the treaty, so it is what it is. You know, they just they yeah. still get the good end of that deal. And I, I can't imagine it's easy. I don't know if you're taught, I mean, if it's generations deep, I imagine they, that it's not too much of a learning thing. You got to really train your eye to see the back of a fish in certain, you know, water. Oh, you know? I'd be amazed at, you know, if like, if you showed me how to do it and I got it the first try. 
But anyway, we're getting off a of topic, so lead me into some fair chase stuff. So what do you got? I, I was I was just having a little debate with somebody, and they were talking about hunting a hunting turkeys with ARs. Now, when you hear of people hunting with ARs, it's more like you know feral pigs or you know stuff like that. Coyotes. Like I, I kind of even get a little upset when you hear about people wanting to hunt deer with an AR, and you're, and you know, their debate would be, "Well, I'm an American. This is my gun, and that's what I." Well, can what's do. the difference between an AR and a whatever else somebody uses? What's an the AR, big deal? you can keep squeezing. A lot of rifles you can keep squeezing. I like bolt action. I'm a bolt action. Well, oh, because you like it doesn't mean that's what everyone's using. Right, but it, overkill. I guess the point I'm getting to there is overkill. When so, don't to- you think an AR is overkill for a turkey? I think it'd be harder. I mean, you don't have you don't have a bunch of pellets going out there. Hardy, one. 40 yards? 40 yards, you could just, you know, pull the trigger and turn that thing into a big puff of feathers. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it would. But then my other point to that, and this, uh, this is the main one, is you're wasting meat. Like, you got to be wasting meat because you're not headshotting turkeys with an AR. At least a real good sportsman probably wouldn't be doing that. I just... I, I just don't get it, you know. I, I don't get what, you know, somebody says, well, I'm an American and I, I can go out and hunt there with whatever I want, but there's... You keep using that excuse. Are people using I'm an American so I get to do what I want? Oh, of course that would be the main argument. Oh, I'm a, I'm an American. I got my AR and I'm going to go do this. But it's like, okay, that's... No, I, I, think, I own one for a completely different reason. I'm, I don't own one to go... I, I just wouldn't keep using that one. I, I got to imagine people are saying it more than I'm an American. That's why I get to do things. Well, I, you know, but the whole freedom aspect of it, you know, like we we live in a free country, you should be free to do, you know, mostly what you want and stuff like that. And if you're not the one managing conservation areas, you're not the one that gets to make up the rules. That's my, my it's my opinion of that. So I, I think for Illinois, super populated state, packed state parks, why would you, why would you allow everybody to go home with a rifle? Not one, the safety factor, you'd have a bunch of bullets flying and, you know, you go to a state park and you're really looking uh, to see how many people are with you because there's all these angles and stuff like that of possible, you know, like projectile angles and stuff like that. You know, if, if more remote, the chances are go way down and stuff like that. If you're, I mean, crap, you go hunting at most state parks in Illinois, you see 13 guys, you don't want them with rifles. Now, that doesn't speak to the fair chase thing. That speaks more to safety, but. Oh, so give me some other examples you're talking about. When you say fair chase, what are you? What else are you talking about? So, okay, so let, let's put it this way: bows. You got to put a lot of work in to shoot a bow. You got to put a lot of work in to shoot a bow. Like, sure, you might be your first day of shooting a compound. You might be able to go out there and hit the bullseye three times. But will you be able to do that every time? Will you be confident that you'll be to do that, able to do that every single time? So, I'm just saying that there's avenues of this that take way more effort than others. I can go sight in my rifle scope at a hundred yards and just wait for the right one to walk by. See, you're. I, I think you're. I think you're confusing ethical with, uh, with over advantaging yourself. So okay, yeah. I, I guess you, you know with the, my turkey point, um, that that would be more of an ethical situation because you're wasting a lot of meat doing that. I think. How much meat do you get out of a turkey? You know, and you're you're wasting half of that. Because there's all these little tiny lead particles that you. So the argument I thought you were where you're going to go with fair chase is like I was reading. So when you brought up this this topic yesterday, I started researching just because I wanted my guns loaded a little bit better. Okay, and everything seems to come back to the Boone and Crockett Club. It seems like they kind of put the uh, or not club, but association or whatever they are, Boone and Crockett. 
but it sounds like they kind of put the guidelines together for what Fair Chase is. So the things I was going to talk about with Fair Chase was, he, uh, for instance, uh, using walkie-talkies. Yeah, that's not – it sounds great on paper, but, but – it- So here was my first thought with walkie-talkies, okay? This goes back to when me and Bill first got into kayaking, and we would be out on the Plains River a mile away from each other. Or somewhere there wasn't reception where we couldn't just call each other, okay? And so we would have radios. I still got the old radios upstairs, actually. Does that apply for fishing, though? No, no. But so I'm getting to that. So I was so used to having a walkie-talkie to check in on them. Hey, you okay? Hey, I got something. Whatever. So what I thought of is you, me, just say you and me go out deer hunting on a Saturday, and you're going to set up your tree stand in this spot, and I'm going to set up in this one. This way, I'm not ringing your phone. I could just check in with you. Right. You know? And it turns out, no, 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 no. Walkie-talkies are illegal for that. Okay? And my first thought wasn't some advantage. My first thought was just to check in. Just to yeah, have a safety just, thing. Just a communication line. Yep. But when it comes to fair chase, I can see how it would be like, hey, Pat, wake up. A big-ass buck's walking towards you. All right. You know, it's coming up on your left. It's uh, it's doing this. It's doing that. You know, and so I could definitely see why in hunting. That's but, for instance, my first thought: if you ask me going into this, is it illegal to have walkie-talkies while deer hunting? I'd be like, no. Why? That's stupid. You know. Right. But I get it now. You yeah. Know? There's all these little points to it. But my my point to the AR with the turkey thing was that you could take them from way further out yardage. So if you're squeezing a, um, you know, a turkey choked shotgun. At 40 yards, you're, you're pushing your limits, man. You know, like big time you're pushing your limits. And you verified that people do this? I, I mean, I, you just hear people talking, but I think it is legal in the state that this person was talking about. Yeah. Not any of these, but... I don't know. I, I, I'm having a hard time believing that's fair chase versus ethical. Right, but I'm... Okay, so what, what if you could pick off a turkey at 100 yards? Now, now you have to get 60 yards closer to a turkey. They have the best eyesight. You know what I mean? Oh, Definitely. So there's way more of a chance of a turkey getting away because you got to get in range for a shotgun. Definitely, but you also still got to execute the shot. You know. Yeah, I'm, but I'm saying you know with the scope, of little crosshairs, you put them little crosshairs on there. Every know. time, I, like I'm not interested in turkey hunting, but every video I've ever seen, they get a shotgun, they blast its head off with a shot. And it's like it, it doesn't seem. I don't feel like shotguns that much more of a effort. You know, that's a. The, the whole ethical thing is a great point because I think a lot of your ethical arguments can like run right into fair chase arguments. Oh, definitely. Um, like the one thing I was reading about is, uh, for instance, uh, fair chase. The one thing that they say with fair chase is, okay, so you're walking through the woods and you come up on a deer stuck in the mud. It fell through the ice. It's stuck in a lake. Right. You're going to pull back your bow and kill it. Now, if you were going to put it out of its misery, would should no, you no, just no, call no, 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 I'm not saying that. Okay, no, then no, that's it. Just that you walk up and this deer is tripped and fell, and you walked up on it. Oh, bing, you killed him, you know? Yeah, that's not fair, Chase. So, the other thing, too, they were saying, another thing, is uh, hunting in an enclosed area. Imagine if you were hunting a forest preserve that was enclosed by 20-foot fences. Yeah, feels like a Hunger Games kind of thing. So... That's not fair, Chase. That deer can't be like, oh, shit, I see this guy. I'm running away. Yeah. You know, boink, boink, gone. You know? No, no, no. You, you could corner him and kill him. So that's what I think of when I think of fair chase. Whether or not you could shoot a bird with a rifle or a shotgun, I, that, I find that more ethical than 
So there's, there, there is one state park here that does have fences, but they have it so they can keep certain stuff in. You know what I mean? Not so much. Well, you, there's certain things you got to keep in. There's certain things you got to keep out. So but what, what you would what, you do then? Like run an area where you can't hunt X amount away from the fence? Yeah, I suppose. A deer is over a six, eight foot fence. That's nothing for a deer. I've seen it. Yeah. They point, they're right over it. You know, like nothing, you know. Just like me going like over the threshold of my front door. That's about as hard as it is for a deer to get across that. <laughs> yeah. No, so when I'm thinking of fair chase, so here, let me parallel this with fishing. Because I, I know everyone's, if, if, you get a, if you get a real techie guy, fisherman, they're going to disagree wholeheartedly with this and whatever. This is my thoughts. But we were talking on whatever episode it was about how we think there was a fish kill off and certain things in certain lakes. Okay. Yeah. The one, I think the, the biggest downfall of fish, fishing lakes, good old fashioned fishing lakes. Everyone's like, that's the best place in the world. Well, it might've, it might've used to be, but now we have the most accurate GPS. Okay. We have down imaging side imaging. Yeah, and back in the day, you had to remember that spot and remember the features of that spot. Remember the caveman GPS? I used one of those for a long time. You yeah. remember those plastic things with the lead weight? Yeah. So you'd find a hump you want to cast at or you want to mark a spot. You throw these out, the little string goes down and anchors, you know, and now you got your marker. Huh. Me and Dad always call that caveman GPS. And we had, you had depth finders, you know, and you used to watch. You're trying to find a spot and you watch the depths come up and then you watch them go back down, things like that. Now you could cruise across the lake 60 miles an hour. 10 feet before the pickup, you pull back on the throttle and you're on your spot. You're there. And you could be there as long as you want without missing it. Remember back 20 years ago or so when you used to have to circle these spots? Oh, yeah. You're like, I know it's right here. I know it's right here. Yeah, the first now time you go on a lake, you're like, okay, I'm going to go real slow before I figure this place out. Now all these guys are getting in their glitter boats 70 miles an hour across the water pulling up on the spot and they're fishing. So, but my argument is, I don't think modern GPSs should be used on Class A waters. That's my argument. I would love to see someplace like Wisconsin in their top lakes, like Chippewa Flowage, like where we're going, say after Memorial Day, no more GPS or any of that stuff. Yeah, because it really is the safety thing up there because it'll go from 35 to 5 in snap of a finger everywhere out in the middle of the lake. You're, you're not looking at shoreline anywhere. So... Let me ask you this then. Okay. So wouldn't that be fair if nobody had the GPS and you had to watch where you're going? Okay. Well, I'm not going to do 70 miles an hour across because I don't know where those big rocks are. Right. So now that slows you down to your spot. You can't find the spots perfectly. You can't annihilate it with musky lures over and over again and fire up and go to the next one in minutes. So my argument is I would like to see Class A waters, whatever, whatever these states want to designate it as. Right. But I would love to see something like the Chippewa Flowage. People drive from all over to go to that lake. I'd love to see it without GPS or at least down imaging where you get pictures of everything. So that's a good point. But how would you limit people to, like, what would be your limiting factor? Like if the DNR finds you with any kind of GPS equipment, that could also mean your phone. You know? I don't know. I, that, that, there's, lawyers, least- there's lawyers to write up laws. Um, but I would love to see... I would love to see the world take a step backwards with electronics. I know Hummingbird and all those, Hummingbird and Lawrence, and like they would fight against it and all that. But I'm just saying, 20 years ago, when you found the spot, you found fish. Now you find the spot, that doesn't mean you found fish. 
I mean, think about all of the navigate navigational skills you're missing out on because you have a GPS. Well, it's the thing, Dad. I remember Dad taking me out on the one side of the lake with map and compass. It was a big thing to learn map and compass, and I still know it. I still know it to this day. I still know map and compass. And, but I just realized the advantage. I remember when I first got my first GPS, and I remember idling past certain spots because you weren't exactly sure. You knew there was a rock bar. You just weren't exactly sure. Was it 30 yards to the right? Was it 90 yards to the right? You know? So you just kind of idle around it because you didn't want to find out the hard way, you know? Now, I get in a boat and I fight around those things. I'm at the other side of the lake in a fraction of the time it used to take me. Except for if you're on the displays. You ain't fighting around nothing. No. They can't map them rocks. No. <laughs> well, but, I, that's, they, they don't even do G, like GPS like mapping for rivers because it constantly changes, right? Right. Okay, yeah. But uh, but look, at we still fish rivers. You're still able to fish a river without GPS, yeah. topographic, or whatever. It's not called topographic, but, you know, the underwater version. I forget the name of it. So, but I would like to say, I'd like to say the fair chase involved with fishing electronics now versus 20 years ago. If you can't use a walkie-talkie to check on your hunting partner, why should you be able to take pictures at the bottom of the lake and see if fish are there? Uh, that's a great point. That's a that's a fantastic point. I think GPS is killing our popular spots. That's what I'm saying. Now everyone's like, oh, well, you got to go to these lakes where nobody's at. It's not necessarily that nobody's there, but it's also the fact that nobody's fishing it with their electronics. Right. And you got to put in the work to find the spot. Right. Instead of just you know putting in the, the well, time you on get your a, cell phone. You got to get a map. You got to navigate. You got to find the spots. You got to work for them. And then you realize, okay, if I line myself up, because I used to do this, between if I if the, my line is between this tree and this island point or whatever, this guy's dock and this island point. That's how we used to keep track of bars. That's how we found the one bar that you caught your first muskie on. Yeah, we knew we knew we were in the area when I when I could look to my left and see this and look to my right and see that. Yeah, funny thing about that too, it's like you just pull up in an area and all you've got is the one number on your depth finder. Yeah. Because we were using a depth finder that was probably but imagine, 30 years old. Imagine if you spent, instead of going from 10 seconds a day to finding your fishing spots, it was three hours. And at the same time, it'd make you more dedicated. Right. You now, it's just it, it, it's kind of turning into like in the racing world. How much money you got? You want to be top? That's a great how point. How much oh, money man, you got? That's such a good point. Yeah. That is such, that is such a good point. I mean, because think, think about how much chips cost for lakes, you know? Because you think about it, let's say you get to a spot. Uh, and now instead of dedicating your time to finding that spot, you could dedicate that time to trying five different lures. Yeah. You know, I'm not navigating all day. So before we used to be like, man, I'm hoping this one works. We spent all, I, after we finally found the spot, I only got an hour to fish. Now you could take off an hour later and still have an extra hour to fish. Yeah. That's <laughs> Man, that's such a good point. So, w- moving that over to hunting, how do you feel about using GPS for hunting? The biggest thing with hunting is uh, because you're not tracking deer with GPS. You're right. tracking land. So, here and where we're at with Flatlanders, you don't really have to worry about falling off the edge of a cliff. Okay? But if you were, for instance, you wanted to go chase elk next year. Yep. Absolutely. So, we're going to be in the mountains. I would like to know what using topographic maps if I'm about to fall off a cliff. I would also yards like into know, those woods is that is it a steep drop off? I would also like to know when I'm running up on private land. Well, there's that, of course. You'd hope they'd have that labeled, you know. Nah, they, they don't, in, in those areas, they don't have it labeled. See, where we were at in Wyoming, there was a lot labeled. Oh, okay. Well, but that was close to touristy areas, you know. Yeah, where people wander a lot onto it, but like 
the other thing too is like your unit boundary. I think for the most part, the only thing that's going to really be able to tell you that is the GPS. Now I could see going to the argument with, uh, with hunting, I could see hunting, getting rid of GPS too, and go doing map and compass, just like as you would with, uh, fishing. So you used to be able to call up, I'm sure you still could, but used to be able to call up the U S geological survey and chart your, Hey, send me these maps in the one, 250,000 scale, 500,000 scale, you know, blah, 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 all the way down to, you know, just a small section that was highly detailed. Um, so they went back to that for hunting. Like, no, you got to use map and compass. That'll get you by know where you're at. But now what, what about the safety aspect of it? What's the safety aspect? You get lost. Map and compass. You're not going to get lost. It's a laziness thing. It's a, so a GPS is luxury. It's not a safety thing. It's luxury. Absolutely. Yeah. It is a safety thing is a satellite phone that can triangulate you to get a helicopter to your spot. That's a safety thing. You finding the right hunting spot is not. No, I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. And, you know, it's one of those things where, I don't know, I always grew up looking at maps. I always thought maps, for some reason, were like the coolest thing. And I know we're going to beat this with a dead horse, but uh, the other thing that I will be I will be against forever is crossbows for non-handicapped people. I do not think that's fair, Chase. I yeah. just don't. It is, it is basically a rifle. It is a slower-moving rifle. I could see a senior citizen thing. These guys that have been working their whole lives and their shoulders are burned out. I get it, you know. Maybe you don't necessarily have to be like clinically handicapped, but I'm sorry, but a 25 year old can walk in and buy a crossbow. Perfect. He just got out of, you know, baseball in college and now he's going to shoot a crossbow hundred yards at a deer. Sorry. Just, you're just not going to, but now move that over to the ethical thing. You can make a way cleaner, more ethical kill more often with a crossbow. I don't know about that. I'm just saying like, well, you know, obviously people use crossbows because they're more accurate, right? They use them for they're more accurate, but they also use them because they can get them at a longer distance. Right. Yeah. How many times oh. did you go? How many times did you go to the? Move it right into that. Yeah, I, uh, I get what you're saying. How many times did you go to the jar, uh, driving range, archery range, and see somebody practicing their crossbow at 20 yards? They're practicing practicing at 80. Yeah. Because they bought this to shoot farther, not for an ethical kill. They bought this so they can reach further. No, that's a good point. There's a lot of blurred lines when it comes to that. You know, what is an ethical kill with whatever you're using kind of thing. And I, I guess for us, you know, putting so much work in with the compound and like I was doing the recurve thing and like there is so much work that goes into that, that your range for an ethical kill, you know, should be getting longer, but with whatever you're using it, it'll stop at a certain point. Like so, what, right now, what would be your ethical kill range to where you're totally confident that you'll be able to put it right where you want it? 50 yards. I would say 50 yards would be my tip-top max. I think my realistic tip-top max is going to be about 40. Oh, I was going to say... Uh, At least for every, the first one. Everything, yeah, for the first one, I'll probably keep it under 50. I'll go up to 50. I could I could put it right about right where I want it, 50. Because we, we do pretty well at you know even 60 yards with the compound. My only concern with above 40 is string jumping. That's my only concern. Not me missing. It's string jumping. That's a good point. Yeah, because they hear the string jump and then he's got more time to move. Yeah, you know, I got ten more yards of arrow in the air. But real quick, I want to go back to the fishing thing with the GPS. The other thing that I find unfair is, uh, I think it's great technology. Don't get me—I think it's very cool. But the fact that you can take your trolling motor and have it follow a path, and you don't even need to control that, and you're in the spot that you need to be. 
Wow, you are you are preaching to the choir because I feel like controlling the boat is more than half the battle when you're, especially when you're in a river, you, you've got your hand on whatever you're controlling the boat with more than on your right. These rock. things compensate for wind. They compensate for current. I always prided myself on boat control. Everybody always liked my boat control, okay? Yeah, setting up a drift is actually a pretty tough thing to do. Circling a bar, going around an island tip at ca- the same casting distance all the way around this crazy shaped island tip, you know? Now you just go on, you paid for it, okay? You, all, you got money. Yeah, you spent you, the money. You have more money than I do, so now you're going to have less effort in catching the same fish that it takes me. And the only difference was the amount of money you had. Was the only difference. Not yeah. skill, not practice. It's just you had more money. To the point you made earlier, that's the same reason why I don't like drag racing because it's not the best mechanic out there doing the work. It's the guy with the most money. Right. And that, to me, takes away the whole sporting aspect of it. So when it comes to fair chase, I could argue this for days. We could do fair chase episode two next week if you want. This is the debate that will never end, of course, I'm sure. We we, got to circle back to this at some point because now I need to go collect more information in form of very – yeah, you and me were in, well when, when you brought up that this was what we're going to talk about. You and me went two totally different directions, which is fine. Well, I wanted to have it be a, a very organic, you know, debate. Yeah, because like you, I think you were stuck more on ethical, more than more along the lines of is this right? But you know, and it's at a lot of points they line right up with each other. There's a lot of parallels. They oh, definitely, definitely. But uh, I just. I, for me, like when you argue the turkey thing, it seems it seems like that's your biggest hangup for fair chase is whether you can hunt a turkey, right? Yeah, I you know I would be very angry if I found out that you can hunt with an AR and then I was out there with a the bow and you, and and you had to do less work. Yeah, just to the same point you were making, you have to do less work no, to but, get a hundred yards away from it than I do to get twenty. Right, but let's say. Let's say you also had a rifle. They said, "Well, you came during bow season. Come during rifle season if you want to shoot them farther away." Yeah, and then yeah, you make the season shorter. No, I, I, I totally get that. I'm just saying that. I don't know. It it does line right up with ethical because if you make this thing a big puff of feathers, there's probably not going to be much meat left for you. But at the same time, and that's the ethics of it. But let's say whatever they discussed, they said, okay, you can shoot them with a rifle. You know, because you, you keep saying AR, but I'm sure it's a caliber thing. It's not a the, the AR thing. Kind of made me mad because that that to me is not a hunting rifle it should it should be it should have nowhere near and, I, and i'm not an anti-ar guy you got to know that first of all i am a pro ar guy so it for me for if, hunting I, whatever if, if you want to use an ar for hunting we hunt people with m16s yeah but not our meat man what's the difference a lot okay but so you're you you say no ars but a 30 at six well you're not protecting yourself from a deer a third. So you're saying a five five six is only a defensive round. I'm just saying, you know, the semi-automatic. There's shotguns like that. Ducks, yeah. ducks take over. Ducks, ducks fly over and ta ta ta. Yeah, but a duck's flying. They've already got a great advantage. But you you just said semi-automatic was your hang up. For you know birds that spend a lot of time. And on I'm the ground sure like I, I I know nothing about this law, but I'm willing to bet they're not going to let you have a standard mag in there. I'm willing to bet they don't let you they don't let you fully loaded shotgun for uh, anything else. But not like feral pigs. They're an invasive population. There's a million of them things running around, and we don't want them here. But so you're so you're you're upset. You keep saying you're upset about the AR. You're upset about the semi-automatic. 
Yeah, the semi-automatic. Not not particularly the AR. I'm just saying that, you know, how many squeezes do you get, you know? If you suck at shooting, all you have to do is connect 5% of the time. What if I told you three? You get okay. three squeezes yeah. by law. That'd be different. So now that'd you're all okay. different. So now, now the AR is perfectly fine. Not perfectly fine, but it's it's getting better, Jim. Getting better. So you're just hung up on, everyone wants to say high capacity magazines. I'm telling you right now, the AR-15 is standard magazine capacity is 30 rounds. My, my it opinion. It is not high capacity. High capacity would be more than 30 rounds. Okay, go ahead. My, my point is, is I, I don't want guys going out there cowboying and just pulling the trigger because not that, that's a safety thing, right? And see, I think you got to look into this law more before you get too stern of an opinion on it because you they might you, okay, yeah, you could use an AR, but you only allowed one round in the chamber, no magazines. You got to have just, one in the chamber ready to go. I I was speaking more to a general thing that if you got to go out there with as many magazines as you wanted to. Now this is totally a general thing. I'm not talking about a specific state or even a specific animal. If somebody had 20 squeezes, you know, on something that you've been working on to just use one, you know what I mean? They, they only have to be successful. If you had 20 rounds, you only have to be successful 5% of the time. What if they were fully within the law, though? Well, then I guess we have to. So you're upset at the law. You're, you're upset at the game, not the player. Yeah. But I... Clearly, there's people that are, you know, clearly there's players that are always going to cheat at the game, right? There is, but you can't hold us all accountable for that. You find those guys, you hang them from a tall tree, and you move on. Figuratively, hang them from a tall tree. I but, suppose. Uh, um, yeah. So, I mean, that, that was my point. It, it, it angers me to a point because uh, so I'm not saying I'm left out because I'm doing all this work and stuff like that. I'm just saying that if you're a sportsman that also likes meat um, – you should put the work in. You shouldn't just be able to run outside your door with an AR strapped, or not even an AR, with a semi-automatic gun strapped on your back and be able to do whatever you want. So we're going to finish up here, but the one thing, I, uh, when it comes to fair chase, I just want to follow up. My biggest thing with fair chase is the devices that we use as a luxury with no regulations. That is that I would like to see that more regulated. Pretty much, if it takes batteries, if it takes batteries, do you need it? Yeah, I mean that's what I that's what I constitute as fair chase. So if it if it takes batteries, if it takes charging, and it takes prep, it takes downloads. I feel like that is pushing the boundaries on fair chase. That's my argument. The caveat to that is the safety thing, you know. Like I said, but with the safety, other than so. There's a difference between safety and skill. You're telling me GPS is a safety device when you can have a map. Okay. Safety is I fell and broke my leg, so I'm going to grab this cell phone and make a phone call. Yeah. That's a safety device. Uh, a beacon. You know, like on, on boats, you got to have a whistle. Uh, I think some states you got to have a flare. You know, you got to have your life jackets and blah, blah, blah. Fire those are safety. Are those going to make you a better fisherman? Absolutely not. But they'll save your life. Right. Yeah. So the biggest thing is the difference between safety, fair chase, and ethical. All because it's ethical, or I should say, all because it's legal does not make it ethical. Absolutely. I, I probably said that word a million times this podcast, but that's uh, there's a lot of blurred lines. But more to the, more to the point, if you want to be part of this debate, 
and you, if you're listening to this podcast, you can be on this podcast. So I want to, I want you to be part of this debate. I'm sure this this is something we're going to be talking about quite often, because I'm not trying to be like some crazy justice down, fighter for the outdoor be, world. This could be Fair Chase episode one, and we can we can come back. You know what? I, I and it's up to you, but I, we could reload, and either a week or two we'll come back. You know, we're not going to announce it. We're going to leave it. We're going to leave it on a, a little cliffhanger. But this is going to be episode one of argument of Fair Chase, and I want you and I'm going to to do the same. I want to go reload. I'm going to come back. I'm going to shove it down your throat. Yeah, reload is just too soon. <clears throat> I'm just teasing. But I'd like to I'd like to cover this more cuz uh now I got the I kind of got the things going now, you know. Yeah, now now you've got me all kind of jumbled, jumbled because of the ethical thing. But I think there's a lot of parallels between ethical and fair chase. Oh, for sure. For sure. But is it the the FOMO, the fear of missing out or is it Fair chase. Did you miss out on AR hunting? Oh, dude, I don't want to do that. No, I'm, no, no, no. I'm talking about you don't want to. Okay. But that doesn't mean somebody else doesn't want to. Oh, I'm sure there's millions of people that want to. But if it's legal, are you just mad because you trained with a bow and this guy trained with a rifle? Or is that, are you just mad that it's easier? I'm just saying I, I don't want certain populations and stuff like that to disappear. We're not going to run back through it, but... Yeah, 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 because we, we got to wrap this up. You can but go for days on this. Tell you what, in, in the next uh, one to three episodes, we're going to do Fair Chase episode two. Reloaded. Reloaded. <laughs> so remember, a couple of things. If you can hear this podcast, that means you can be on it. Email us at Whistle Mission Podcast. I wish I could play a song in the background while you do that. We can. I got all kinds of editing software. But Whistle Mission Podcast at gmail.com. You know what I did not say last time? that this podcast is brought to you by new lennox fly fishing Whizz. that's about you want to hear like. that noise yeah I'm, I'm good at mouth noises but. so another thing too i don't know how interested you're into and in getting into it on the podcast lit next not this episode but uh i thinking about totally totally 100 percent revamping rebranding new lennox fly fishing now that i opened my first business this year and learned a lot I'm going to totally revamp the business. This is the first I'm hearing about this. Me and Bill were talking about it last night. He oh, likes the idea. Night. No, I, I just thought of the, within the last week, I've been mulling things over and going a totally different direction with New Lennox Fly Fishing. This name change is brought to you by Bush Light. Oh, no, it's still going to be uh, <laughs> still going to be New Lennox Fly Fishing, but it's going to be totally rebranded. Totally rebranded. Oh, I got to hear this, but not now. So, not now. Um, but yeah, if you can hear this podcast beyond this podcast, we want your opinion. We want input. We don't want to be just sitting here screaming at each other through a microphone about stuff that we like or we don't like. We want to hear your opinion. We want our minds to be changed. Clearly, I'm one way. Jim also is another way with fishing. You could tell he's very passionate about fishing. Um, couldn't tell. Very, very. I'm very. Uh, I want this to be around, and I think we're. I think we're shooting ourselves in the foot. Yeah, it's the same time when you see a guy on the side of the river with a five-gallon bucket full of fish. You know, where he's not supposed to be. But So anyway, good discussion topic. Um, wonderful, wonderful. I guess we'll do this again next week, right? Yeah. Can't wait to see you guys or have you guys tune in next week. Yeah, so this was episode six. We're wow. on six. Already, yes. yeah. Yes. Well, this is just five for me. So. Yeah, five for you. You almost know. slept in on this one, but you made it. Not almost, man. I was up. All right, so that's it. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, guys. Thank you, guys.